Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snedden. This week, we're reviewing something that oddly, I would say, has been coming for many, many years at this point. We're reviewing a book by Michael David Wilson. This is the first thing we're reading from him. Have you ever read anything else from him other than stuff on the website? No, like I know that I'm pretty sure he's got some short stories floating around out there and stuff, but um, this is my first uh, first taste of Wilson's fiction. Same here. So we are reviewing The Girl in the Video, which will be out shortly. I believe it's next week. Yeah, the 28th. Oh. The 28th. So, uh, But you can certainly go and pre-order a copy now. Here is a little bit about uh, Michael David Wilson. He is the founder of This Is Horror, a professional writer, editor, and podcaster. His work has appeared in publications including No Sleep Podcast, Dark Moon Digest, and The Other Stories. His novella, The Girl in the Video, will be published later this month. I just want to say, I think Michael may have taken some tips on how to write a, a bio. All right, maybe, so... Maybe from us. Um, this, is the, this is a first, and I, I, I kept the website up just to... Um, uh, draw attention to this. So um, he doesn't have a bio on Amazon at all. Um, and I think that's because this is kind of his first real listing on there as an individual author. So I went to his website, michaeldavidwilson.co.uk. And in the about section, he's got like a little, you know, uh, intro that he wrote. And then he has three third person bios. Um, one is under 100 words, one is under 50 words, and one is a two-liner. So he has three distinct versions of his bio based on how much information you want. And I've never seen that before, and I think it's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. I am heading to the website. We might even have to put this on hold because I'm going to have to agree with you. It's, nice it's job. Man. It's astonishing. I was like, why does not, why doesn't, why don't more authors, if they might have them personally, but this is right on his website. It's like, Hey, for your convenience, go with the bio that fits like your requirements. So I was, I was, I'm astonished. <laughs> it's probably I, like the coolest thing I've ever seen. I love it. And you know, what's funny is we, we spent a lot of time talking about this right like relatively speaking yeah you still picked the two-liner bio <laughs> like we no. spent more time talking about how cool like it is that he has these different bios and we still went for the shortest one no i went to the under it's the under 50 oh it is under 50 yep yeah so uh but still kudos like huge kudos because when i first got to the about page i see this big like two and a half paragraph like hey i'm michael and i'm talking to you thinking i was like well this isn't gonna work and as i kept scrolling i was like get right the fuck out of here <laughs> that is wonderful it's amazing nice yeah um so what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna read uh the synopsis but i also want to take some time to talk about our history with uh this is horror because um we go back a while so uh, at some point we'll talk about uh us and and michael uh, and this is horror over the years. But here is the synopsis of um, The Girl in the Video. Tell me what you like. After a teacher receives a weirdly arousing video, his life descends into paranoia and obsession. More videos follow, each containing information no stranger could possibly know. But who's sending them, and what do they want? The answers may destroy everything and everyone he loves. The Girl in the Video is the ring meets fatal attraction for the iPhone generation. I like the synopsis. Yeah. It's a little also, tantalizing. Mm -hmm. Also short and to the point. Yeah. Um, which is good stuff. Yeah. I, I guess at this point we'll just get right into it. 
Uh, before we jump into it, I do want to just you know say it bears mentioning that this is a very short book, uh, coming in around eighty-eight pages. So um, the obvious short uh, fiction disclaimer right up front: we're probably going to have less to talk about than usual because uh, of the the length of the story. For sure. So we, uh, I will say, I know I talked to Rob about this that uh, it, the the similarities between the protagonist in this book freddie and michael are uh astounding <laughs> like so much so that at times i wanted to just shoot him and check on him make sure he's okay <laughs> so we are introduced to our protagonist freddie who is living in japan and teaching in japan which is uh, what i believe michael is still doing at at this very moment um and we're introduced to him on a on a day just like any other day except that something bizarre happens he receives a message through one of the social media sites that he uses and the message is just a, a bit ly link for those of you who aren't familiar it's a it's a way to disguise the url of something by shortening it using the bit.ly site um, and uh it takes him to a video that's a little odd have you ever had anything like that happen to you <laughs> No. All right. Neither have I. So I was just curious of like how, like I wanted to know if this is a thing that happens to people. Yeah. So he, uh, he follows the link and, and the video, um, uh, you know, contains, um, some sexually suggestive stuff, but it's just, it's kind of weird because it's just, it's so random. It's not something that, um, you know, from reading the story, it's not something that happens to him, you know, ever. So it's out of the ordinary, but it's like a girl sitting, I think, in a chair or something, and then there's music playing, and it's a it's a band that's like uh, one of his favorite bands, or uh, you know, a band that's significant to him, and she's just doing stuff along with the the music, um, and he he doesn't really put much thought into it. Like the first time something like that happens, you could it's easy to just kind of explain away as like, oh, it was a fluke, it went to the wrong person, or or whatever. Um, but it seems like after watching the video, it's hard for him to kind of get past it. Like it kind of springs up in his mind. Yeah. I took the video a little bit as like, uh, could be perceived as like avant-garde performance art. Um, I, I immediately thought back to, um, when I was in um, Paris last time we went to, a. I don't know how to explain it. There's a word, right. But it's this building that, that um, was abandoned and a group of artists approached the local government and said, Hey, can we just have this building? Like we'll pay the taxes or, or whatever, but it's empty. And, and they just set up a, an area where anybody can apply for like space to create their art and then display it to people. So it's free to go in. They ask for a donation. Um, and it's a super, super cool place. I think it's like 10 or 11 stories. It's like right in the heart of Paris, a wonderful place. But one of the things that I saw when we were there was this little booth with like just the little curtain drawn across. But it was it was, it was like a photo booth. But like if you and I had to put one together from like shitty plywood without tools. So you'd sit down in there and inside the booth is a um, older like um, tube TV, probably like 25 inches, maybe 19 inches. And on it is playing this creepy black and white video of this girl that's just like mumbling shit um, in French. So I, I don't know if it made any sense since I don't speak French. And that's like the feeling I got from this video that Freddie receives in this book. Like it's an avant-garde piece of art is one way you could interpret it. Or you could interpret it as something that's really fucked up that someone sent specifically to you. 
yeah, so outside of the video, I just want to kind of set the stage a little bit. He is um, married and um, in a very happy relationship with his 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 wife. There's no there's no conflict. There's no like you know he's not a creep that steps out on his girl or anything like that. So um, this is a weird thing to happen, uh, but he's he's pretty open about it. If I remember correctly, he he shared that he got this weird video. I, I don't think right away, but like. Um, he did share with his wife, oh, this thing happened and whatever. And then they just kind of moved on. And, and one thing I'll say about this book is it does take place over the course of um, several months. So not very long into the book, it jumps forward, I, I think, from like October to like January or something like that. Yeah. And through that, we get little glimpses of his life, uh, as Robert mentioned, his happily married life with Rachel who are uh, looking to, you know, start a family and like their kind of day-to-day existence. But in the back of his mind, Freddie is still a little bothered by this. Uh, the other thing I was going to say, and this happened, this started happening on Instagram a while ago, like these weird message requests to like join a group. That's the other thing that that weird thing could be interpreted as. Well, like a bot. Yeah. Yeah. And then of course those bots always are trying to get you to go to some site or something. You know what I mean? So that's the other, I guess, possibility for something like that that happens to you or it's meant for you (laughs) um so yeah so we get a a glimpse in there but the first video obviously as mentioned the synopsis is followed by a second video and the second video is uh you know uh, arguably more disturbing than the first (laughs) yeah it ramps it up as far as like the creepiness and everything but also like um as the synopsis said, like having personal information that no one else could know, uh, like not a stranger couldn't possibly know. And so that's kind of what happens as the story progresses, his interaction with these weird um, little video things that get sent to him, it escalates um, and becomes more disturbing and more personal. And obviously he becomes more uh, worried for his own um, life like not life, like, like he's going to die, but like worried that whatever this is, isn't some random occurrence. It's going to have some weird effect on his life, I guess. Yeah, that's it. That's all we're going to talk about as far as plot goes (laughs) at 88 pages. I think we've covered a a pretty good, pretty good swath of, uh, of the story. Um, One thing I do want to say, I always feel that a lot of times, um, authors place their stories a little bit farther away from technology. And I know I mentioned it here on the podcast and we've talked about it. Right. But Wilson embraces it for this, right? Like he goes all out. I I don't know that there's a social media type site that isn't mentioned at some point or some type of communication that's had, you know, that, that doesn't encompass every single thing. And a couple that I, that I didn't know about, to be honest, I was like, well, I'm just going to assume these are real things too, because I'm not sure what this is, but um, he really does uh, make sure that the technology, as it says in the synopsis, right, for the iPhone generation, like, I definitely think that we we all could easily imagine some of these things that are happening with the technology we're carrying around with us in our pocket. Yeah, and it brings to mind social engineering kind of as a concept to me. Um, basically, using, like, the available data or exploiting, inf- getting information from a person to, like, get access to their life um and it, it it's that in itself could be pretty scary because um you know with just like a cursory 
kind of visit to the internet, you could probably find way more information about someone than, than you would expect would be possible. Like, you know, looking at their photos online leads you to figuring out where they work or where they live and stuff like that. So um, that definitely does using that is a good way to inject tension into a story that, uh, you know, relies on that type of effect. Um, so, and we've seen it, I think kind of poorly executed. I don't think, I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but like, like Livius was kind of getting at technology in, and especially social media and stories can be hit or miss. Like it can be used poorly or it could be used well. And I think he did the technology and social media stuff um, pretty much exactly how he should have. Yeah. I'm going to dive in a little bit into one aspect of the story. I guess it's related around that um, at some point in this, this, you know, probably isn't giving very much away, but like in the videos or like places he recognizes, which it puts the creep factor in there. And again, not that, I, not that we haven't seen it right in some movie at some point or, or whatever, but this is the first book I've read that kind of injects that kind of, I don't know, queasiness into the reader. Like, right. Like you're along for this ride and it's like, Oh, there's the place that I used to work and there's the train station. I go to that type of thing. You know, you know what I mean? Is, uh, yeah. is used very effectively. Yeah, there's definitely that vulnerability that you get from figuring out that someone knows something or has access to something in your life that they shouldn't or that you didn't think they did. Um, so, yeah, it's like I'm trying to think like if there's like that horror thing where the the person that you're rooting for doesn't know that someone's standing right behind them like that kind of thing. Yeah, and I think, again, I'm, I'm kind of having trouble phrasing this. Interactions through the internet are uh, a good majority of them are kind of distant, anonymous, right? So, like all of us have probably gotten into some kind of discussion and argument with a person who's far away, and we really have very little idea of who they are. But interjecting that your personal life into it in the way that it's injected in this is far more scary than I thought it would be when reading the synopsis for the book, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm going to agree. And like, so one of the things that I was thinking about as you were saying that there's that I keep thinking, I want to personalize this. I want to, I want to figure out like what in my life has happened in a freaky way like that. And I, and I'm, this is totally different, but like it gave me such a creep factor. Um, back when I was living in Vermont, this is probably around the time the podcast started. Um, I worked, I worked, I worked in an office and one morning I, I went into work and there was a voicemail from, you know, between when I left work the previous day and when I came in and it was just someone whispering, pick up, pick up. Oh my God. And then the, <laughs> the message ended. and I tried to figure out, like I looked up the phone number online, couldn't really get anywhere with it. Uh, except for like the state that the phone was from and nothing ever came of it, but it was just so chilling and creepy and weird that like I, for some reason I received this voicemail in the middle of the night. It was like three in the morning that the call came through. Um, so like it, like the, the book evokes those types of things in me where it's like, Oh man, when did something really freaky happen like that? Yeah. And again, without saying too much about the story, I do want to say that, the there's there's like excellent use of like the off stage antagonist. I was gonna say off screen, but 
you know, the videos are on a screen. So, <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't, I, I guess I, I probably wanted to say this for my wrap ups, but <sighs> look, I was excited to read something from Michael David Wilson, right? But I read the synopsis and I thought, hmm, all right, well, this could be good, but I wasn't feeling super excited about it. And the book delivers on the promise that it makes kind of in the synopsis much better than I thought it could because of the use of some of these things. So I guess kudos, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and I don't know, like we're probably not much more that we could say about this um, uh, without bleeding into uh, wrap ups or spoilers. Um, so yeah, like uh, I, I just keep, I don't know why, but I keep going back to the personalizing of it. Like I want to know like Livius, like what would you do in this situation or like ha- what ha- like what's happened to you like this for some reason that's the only thing i'm i'm obsessed about right now is like it seems like it's the it's the start to a conversation about like what kind of freaky stuff has happened um in 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 our pasts i honestly can't think of anything like this i mean i th- i think we all have i don't know like i'm sure at some point someone has left me a note you know and i'm like oh and then you know i find out like I'm like, oh, what the hell is this? But then when I get the explanation, when someone's like, oh, hey, did you get my note? I'm like, oh, shit, that makes sense now. Like, I was a little weirded out. You know what I mean? But I can't think yeah. of anything really <clears throat> that that comes to mind. I don't spend a lot of time on social media either. So I don't know if that hurts or helps or, you know what I mean? Like, my chances of, of running into something similar to this. I was waiting for you to say, like, oh, I've put a ski mask on my face over the over the years once or twice. Like you're the other side. Oh, you meant on. Oh, you meant on the aggressor <laughs> side. Oh, for sure. I didn't. I don't. Most of that stuff I don't want to talk about because I'm not sure what the statute of limitations is. That's but a good point. <laughs> what is the statute of limitations in Japan, by the way? Just um, out of curiosity, do you know? I don't know. Typically, it's it's a crime by crime basis, right? Like it's not the same for everything. I, yeah, I, I believe that's true. I don't know, but anyway, um, yeah, it's uh, it's fun to. Uh, it's not fun, but it's like you know, it's it's it. I feel like this falls into the category of this is like the modern version of like when someone says like they saw a ghost and everybody talks about their ghost stories like this could be the modern version of that I'm going to start sending you weird videos via bit ly links oh man that'd be great and horrible at the same time (laughs) they would all just be like the ones in the book that like keep coming up like I don't know they're like two girls in a cup swap swap (laughs) whatever right like goatsy like that's I'm just going to send you that kind of shit that was all right. You know what? Now that you say that, that was one thing that I noticed is that, um, in the narrative, it did like the creepy, not creepy, but the gross out kind of like classic, um, internet stuff that you show, you share, share with someone to gross them out or just, you know, get a reaction out of them. He had a lot of knowledge of that. So, yeah, right. <laughs> Can I tell you how hard it is still now sitting at the computer to not, I have no idea what swap.avi is. I don't know if you do, No. but that one, I had no idea. And it's so tempting <laughs> to just get it and see what happens. And I'm like, now, you know what? I think I'm going to pass. There's yeah. There's some that like, I just knew it wasn't mm-hmm. going to be worth it to like know what it is. Um, nope. So maybe when uh, we next talk to Wilson, we'll have to figure out like, Maybe he's the guy that created all this stuff. Who knows? Maybe we'll have him on and we'll live review a few of those where we just all oh. pull them up at the same time. <laughs> uh, yeah, that'd 
that could be well that would make for an entertaining episode for sure i don't know japan might have some like well never mind because they're they're the tentacle porn <laughs> capital of the world i say they might have some like weird restrictions like he might not even be able to look at that shit like from oh yeah i know what you're from saying. where he's living but then when i think about tentacle porn like i'm like all right never mind they're probably pretty cool about that kind of stuff yeah and then we all know anything goes on a bus so that's that's yep yeah. that's true <laughs> Notice, notice his character was smart enough not to take a bus at a point in this book. That's all I'm saying. That's, <laughs> we could talk to, well, talk to him about buses too. How often do you take buses when you're in Japan? Um, hey, how about how about some wrap ups? Yeah, I'll uh, I'll go first since I kind of half ass started mine already. Um, again, I was really looking forward to reading something by Michael Wilson. Um, I read the synopsis ahead of time, and I was like, all right, like I I just I wasn't super excited by the synopsis. Um, but then I got into the book and I was like, all right, he's really going to lean hard into this tech thing. I kind of like that. Cause like I said, I think I feel like authors um, tend to stray away from, from technology a little bit in, in their stories. I like that. And then the, the avant-garde, you know, horror videos that, that are coming through, I was really kind of titillated by them. Um, I, I, I love the idea of that kind of thing. Like I said, I loved the the weirdness of the video I saw when I was in France. And that's kind of what I had playing in the back of my head during some of these videos. Um, so I found myself really engrossed in the story. Um, I, I'll also say that I didn't think the story was going to go where it eventually went. And that's really all I can say on that. So again, nice job. Cause I didn't, couldn't call, I couldn't call the ending of this, um, this book. And when I say the ending, I'll mean like the last fifth of it or so. So, uh, I think he did a really good job. Um, I would have liked to have seen this a little longer and I, I, I happen to know cause Rob and I had talked beforehand a little bit about this. So I kind of know his feeling on this too. I would have, probably added um a little bit more to this um a little more of the creep factor in maybe another 30 or 40 pages but hey that's just me so um overall i'll t i'll touch a little bit on like my high and low scores for this um the lowest score i gave this was uh, uh for audience and that's a six and i think a six might be a little high because this is definitely not for everybody as a matter of fact i mean i think if you're in a horror it's for you but in an overall engrossing audience um, relatively small group of people that, that would be looking for this kind of thing. But I did give it nines for pace and for plot because I was really um, uh, impressed. Um, the pace was just, it was, it was pretty fast. And then the plot I, I thought was really well, well thought out and well delivered. So overall, my final score on that is an eight out of 10. All right, full disclosure, as Livius was delivering his uh, wrap up, I did update some of my scores. Um, just based on the conversation we had uh, to, to move the score up overall a little bit. The, the one thing that um, the only real drawback I can think of for this story is the, is the classic Livius. I wanted to spend more time with the characters, um, which is, is something that it's, you know, this book is 88 pages. It was, it's a small format story. So you're going to have to do, make some sacrifices for the sake of, of, you know, brevity and to keep the pace what it is. But that's, that's, you know, the lowest score I gave was pace and audience because similar to Livius, um, I do think that there's, there's people who wouldn't enjoy this just based on the content, but also, um, I would have liked to see this. Yeah. Like 40, 50 more pages just so that I could live in, um, 
the character a little bit more, but also some of the creepy stuff that happens before we get to uh, the inevitable conclusion. So um, really, that's the only drawback. And it's not a drawback of the story. It's a drawback of what my expectations are. So I want to make that very clear. It's not a problem with the story. I just feel like I would have liked to have seen um, some of the parts grown a little bit because I think it could have helped with the impact of what you know happened overall. That being said, um, I think he did a great job of, you know, I guess all the things that we talked about, but um, giving us a, a good plot. Um, I'll agree with Livius. Didn't see that ending coming, um, and and just uh, making it relevant and doing stuff like technology and social media accurately. Um, again, not accurately, but like in a way that enhances the story as opposed to making it feel like ham-handed or something. Um, my score was originally lower. Um, but as we talked it through, I kind of realized, uh, that, you know, I was maybe being a little harsh or maybe talking it through, maybe understand things better. So, uh, I'm ending up as an eight as well, which gives this an overall score of eight out of 10 for the podcast. Nice job, Michael. Uh, the Kindle edition is currently available for pre-order. It does not appear that the paperback is on Amazon um, as of the time of this recording, but uh, I definitely think this is a, a fun little one that you'll want to breeze through in, a, in an hour and a half in the afternoon at some point. Yeah. So before we move on to other topics, I just want to kind of go over the history of, of the podcast uh, booked and Michael and his podcast. Uh, this is horror for anybody who's not familiar. Uh, I think they came on our radar originally when we found out we were nominated for the This Is Horror Awards, the 2012 This Is Horror Awards. We were nominated for Best Podcast, which we did win. Um, and then, you know, after that happened, uh, we started to collaborate on things and just like, you know, befriend these people. So here's a little bit of information. Um, we first podcasted together. Um, with a review of the Lords of Salem movie, uh, which we did as a crossover episode. It posted on both podcasts. That was our episode 145 and their episode number seven. So at the very beginning of that podcast, um, we had uh, a little bit of action on there. Um, they also did a review of the booked anthology in their 13th episode, which me and Livius were both, um, present for. And then, um, the 17th episode, which I don't even remember doing this, but we did a Hannibal season two uh, discussion. So we appeared on their podcast a few times. Michael did come on to do an interview with us um, right around episode 250. Uh, and then, you know, through the years, aside from just doing, getting the multiple, this is horror awards that we have won. Um, he's just been kind of a constant presence for the podcast. Um, to the point where like when he was doing like, Hey, what microphone are you using? Or, Hey, what software are you using? Stuff like that. Like we we've done kind of trade talk as well. And let's not forget, um, great contributions to the, to the horror scene and right through this is horror, the website and the podcast, uh, numerous books published, right? So most um, chat books and novellas, but, um, some brilliant ones. We just talked to oh Josh Mallerman, yeah. right? Uh, a couple of weeks ago and uh, the house at the bottom of the lake is uh still one of my favorite novellas of all time and that was published through this is horror so outside of our particular relationship with him michael's doing great stuff for uh in, in and around the horror community 
Yeah, and he gave Bob Passarella a place to to share his lovely Texas accent. That's yes, <laughs> that's also true. Uh, so there you go. Um, yeah. So uh, good job, Michael. He'll be on with us uh, in a few weeks, right? A couple weeks, I think, is when we're scheduled. We still have to work out a schedule because he's on another planet or something, and the time zones are a little funky. Yeah, you'll be hearing from him soon. Is what I'll say about yeah. that. All right, um, move uh, move along to the elephant in the room, right? Oh my God, there's an elephant in your room. There is there there isn't one. Oh, I've been to your place. Never mind. No elephants fit no in your elephants. place. <laughs> like a baby elephant, probably good. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, um, <laughs> uh, yesterday in the morning, I received a message from good friend of the podcast, Craig Walwork, uh, which is not unusual. Uh, Craig and I uh, communicate, you know, fairly regularly. Seems like over the last couple of months, a little more often than than we did. But um, I think I'm just going to read. I'm going to read the message to you. Uh, You heard question mark bear as in Will Christopher bear is on Instagram and he's coming out with a book next year. So he follows that up with saying that this apparently came from a Will Christopher bear Facebook group. His son posted and I will read this. Howdy folks. Check out my pops new Instagram page at will seven Christopher. And I'll repeat that again. Will W I L L seven Christopher. Christopher. It's his first foray into the social media scene and he needs some support. He's preparing to release his next book, An Exploration of the Mental Health Industry in the U.S., and he told me he created this Instagram as a preview. Take a look. Holy shit. Rob and I, and we talked about this on the podcast a few episodes ago, right? About how we'd never reviewed Kiss Me Judas, and I don't remember how much went on the podcast, but the thought was... We'd really, really like to have Will Christopher Bear on, and we were starting to devise some fraudulent trickery or something to get him on the podcast, whatever it took. And now it looks like maybe we won't have to, right? Like maybe he'll just want to talk about his new book. So I got to tell you, I'm super excited about this. It caused um, an uproar uh, to like, it's one of those. So for listeners who don't know, there was back in the day a website called The Velvet, um, which was a forum that was a fan page for the authors Will Christopher Bear, Stephen Graham Jones, and Craig Clevenger. And uh, so uh, combined, they had one website that had a, a forum where fans of, of those authors could gather. And a lot of our early interactions with uh, from Booked were with uh, the Velvet people and um that was really kind of at the focus of our start was those people as authors and their individual books but also like getting into talking to craig clevenger and stephen graham jones and stuff like that so uh it's something that had a huge impact on our general group of fans and so for me on social media it was just nonstop. oh you know people repeating the thing and um, there was even like fights on, I don't know if you saw this, but like <laughs> on Twitter, um, like there was a, a lit reactor excitedly posted something about it, but didn't properly, they didn't retweet. They gave like at mention credit in their posts, but they, they hadn't retweeted. They actually took the screenshot and then made their own tweet, um, which apparently is poor form. I wasn't aware of this and this caused like this weird back and forth fight. So like there is a lot of energy right now around uh, this one little post saying that he's got a he's working on a book. 
I do want to continue on and say, which I was going to, but now especially you said that um, Craig did make sure to give credit to Jay Slayton Jocelyn, who brought it to his attention. So I want to do that here, too, in case, you know, that's that's where the original credit is due. <laughs> um, that being said, there was a fight on Twitter. Shocking. Oh, yeah. yeah, I don't I, I spent like no time on Twitter. <laughs> so let's yeah. Like a nearly zero. If the podcast gets mentioned specifically, like I get a notification, and then I'll usually go look. But other than that, I'm I'm Twitter free. So um, I guess obviously, if there's something with a, a new book from Will Christopher Bear, we we're gonna want to be involved. I'm guessing, but that does kind of bring back the timing of my thought of Hey, why haven't we done uh-huh. <laughs> Kiss Me Judas before? So it's just it's funny that that came up, like that conversation kicked up like so soon before um like the first news that's literally happened in i'm guessing seven or eight years with the author at all is is right now yep so um will seven christopher if you want to check out some pretty cool photos on instagram that's the number seven um, not the word seven it is the number seven correct w-i-i-l the number seven christopher on Instagram. So let's go show him some love and feel free to comment on his, uh, on his pictures about how much you'd love to hear him talk to the guys that booked. <laughs> Just saying, wow. I mean, if that's what you're thinking, if you want to hear him, like make it known, look for years, I've been thinking, well, two out of three ain't bad, but now I feel like I'm not going to rest until there's a restraining order or a Will Christopher bear interview. Yeah. Depending on timing, there could be both. I, uh, yeah, listen, and and I'm and I'm I'm actually okay with both. <laughs> what suck is I'll be in jail and then he'll want to talk to you about what an asshole I am, right? So like I'll be locked up. <laughs> like the restraining order will be digital, and I won't be able to be on it. And it'll be you and him talking for like an hour and a half. And you'd be like, yeah, he is fucking annoying sometimes. Jesus Christ, when he gets something in his mind, he won't let it go. And that guy's like, I fucking know it's crazy. But then I'll be like, who's gonna pick pick the books now? I uh, I have already created like 42 Instagram accounts so I can individually message him about, hey, how come we haven't heard you on booked yet? So we're good to go. I, I got Michael David Wilson involved. We're making videos now that we're going to send to him. It's yeah, it's crazy stuff that no stranger could know. Uh, that's terrifying, uh, but I'm happy for. So this is this is nice for all the people who have um never waned in their uh fandom for will christopher bear uh it's a phenomenon that's astonishing to me like i think if we went four weeks without posting an episode i can't imagine what that would do to our listenership this dude's been out of the game close to a decade and there are some people that are just so fanatically like um loyal to him and his body of work that like um you know it's it's pretty it's it's pretty crazy, but um, I'm glad that they got something, uh, a little new nugget to nibble on. Um, and I'm totally willing. I, like, I don't even know if this is a nonfiction book, and I don't care. Like, we'll probably review the nonfiction <laughs> book if that's what it takes. Wow. Wow. All right. Okay. He posted six minutes ago. Is that too fast to, lo- to like something on Instagram? <sighs> um, I don't know the etiquette for that. <laughs> all right i anyway. just like stuff when i'm looking at it so yeah that's uh that's, that's, uh, that's what we're hoping for that's what we're hoping for will christopher bear interview and for sure a review um other than that apparently there was some see here's here's what happens this is the 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 time right like podcasting in the time of covid um 
like the Bram Stoker Awards happened to relatively little fanfare because it was all kind of done online. So it snuck up on me. I realized the Bram Stoker Awards were yesterday when Rob messaged me to tell me who one of the winners was. And I was like, <laughs> oh, the Bram Stoker Awards. Usually I, I, I'm pretty well clued in beforehand, but yeah, not this time. Yeah, so I think we're going to do our, our usual thing, which is just to talk about the categories that we have some sort of, like we've talked about them on the podcast before, we know them, or something like that, because that's, you know, that's what we know. Um, the real big one uh, was that Paul Tremblay, uh, his collection Growing Things and Other Stories, won Superior Achievement in a Fiction Collection, and... Um, yeah, I mean, he had some decent competition. John Langan, uh, who wrote The Fisherman, um, was on that list. And then a couple other names we, we recognize as well. So congratulations, obviously, to Paul for his win. For sure. Well deserved, man. That collection had some pretty, pretty special stuff, like, inside some of the stories. Like, like really, really well done and, and well deserved, in uh, in my opinion. Um, we should cover, I guess, a couple of the other ones. So Superior Achievement in a Novel did not go to either of the two that we reviewed last year, which was Inspection by Josh Mallerman and uh, Chuck Wendig's Wanderers. It did go to Coyote Rage by Owl Going Back. Um, I might add this to my personal um, reading list just because I'd like to see what beat out Inspection. Um, <laughs> yeah. to, like Personally, I'd, I'd like to know, right, because I loved Inspection, so I'd like to see what beat it. Um, you know, as I'm sure everybody here knows, Inspection was kind of my pick for for uh, the of the two that we read, the the one I thought should win. Another category that's worth mentioning: um, Superior Achievement in a First Novel went to The Bone Weaver's Orchard by Sarah Reed, who, um, while we haven't had her on the podcast, has always supported us, and um, I see her often in the social media kind of friend group. So, big congratulations! I have to imagine having a, a, a stoker award for your first novel has to be kind of an over the moon achievement wasn't it um baby teeth last year mm-hmm. it was so, so it's uh that's heavy that's that's, that's big shoes to fill good company yeah and that's that's the thing like you only get one shot at the first novel <laughs> yeah so you know what i mean it doesn't matter how many great books mallerman puts out right like he had one shot at at first novel um, so, uh, nice job, Sarah. Great job. Other than that, not a lot that you and I are kind of like really, you know, into or, or stuff we've really talked about on the podcast very much. Right. So, yeah, I mean, there's names around there that we recognize and stuff, but, um, yeah, sure. those are the ones that, um, but obviously congratulations to all of the winners mm-hmm. because sure. that's cool. We should, uh, I think one, one year down the road. Maybe when we're like 20 years in, there'll be the booked awards or something like that. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> maybe. I thought you were going to say that maybe we could win a Brown Stoker Award. Because I was thinking, I was like, Michael Wilson, fine. I was like, all right, enough of this shit. I'm, I'm getting a book out there. And maybe we should start thinking oh, about our own Brown Stoker Award. It's probably more, um, it's probably the better thing to want to have. Yes, because giving awards is easy. <laughs> getting awards, on the other hand, not so easy. So, yeah. We'll see. Um, other than that, I know we've been talking a lot about our TV viewing because, uh, at least for you, you've been allotted um, significantly more time to watch uh, television. What are you? Uh, what are you into this week? 
All right. Well, the first thing that I want to say, and I don't know, I honestly have no idea whether you've been keeping up with this show or not. I believe you probably are. Um, but the new season of What We Do in the Shadows started this past week. Mm-hmm. Did, you yep. watch, did you watch the two episodes? I did. Um, I, yes, I did. Yeah. Jesus. So, so funny. Um, uh, both episodes were great. And um, I just love that show. Like, I was worried when I, when it first came out that it would kind of be a pale, you know, impression of the movie. And I feel like it trumps the movie in several ways. And then I was like, oh, man, a second season. But, like, the second season started so strong. Um, the whole Guillermo arc is hilarious. Um, and, yeah, he's eating his own dry poops. <laughs> I, I Spoilers, bro. Spoilers. <laughs> um i uh yeah i agree i thought the same thing i was like yeah i'll probably watch two episodes of this and then give it up because it can't possibly meet uh, my expectations after the movie and and i would put about a very even keel because i've watched the movie um again since the first couple of times that i watched it and i still think that the movie's great yeah absolutely great stuff and uh, they just continue to deliver which is weird because not not a big comedy guy um, the only right. comedy TV shows I currently watch are Superstore because, you know, it's my people. And uh, What We Do in the Shadows, also my people. <laughs> uh, and I did watch The Office, totally not my people, but I did like The Office a lot. But other than that, I have no love for any um, recent. I mean, I grew up watching like Three's Company and Happy Days and stuff, right? So I, I love those shows, Sanford and Son, but I, I have no love for current um, TV comedy with with those, those exceptions. So for me, that's... Uh, that's a uh, that's pretty high. Uh, high praise, that's pretty yeah. high bar cross. Yeah. Um, have you ever watched Killing Eve? Every episode, including the first one of the season. Okay, cool. Because I watched it too, and I was like, "Where are they going to go with this?" And uh, uh, it's pretty interesting that like the opening scenes with like where where what's going on now. I thought was pretty funny. Yeah, it's um, it's a great show. That is. Uh, did you ever watch um, Fleabag? Did you ever get around no. watching that? All right, so I apologize. I don't remember what a three like name name Phoebe Waller Cates maybe. I might be getting that wrong. Um, she created Killing Eve and Fleabag, and Fleabag is brilliant, also comedically brilliant, um, but very short. Two seasons, it'll take like four hours or something. I think to knock out all both seasons, like it's very short but very good and very different from Killing Eve. But that that chick's got the got some skills, man. To, oh, to okay. Th- those shows together so i would definitely check that out it's on uh, amazon i believe cool one thing that i haven't mentioned yet which um i think mostly is because i don't think you follow it is westworld is going on obviously mm-hmm. and um love it as much as as the the first two seasons even though it takes a dramatic turn away from being in a theme park full of robots into being in kind of a utopian slash dystopian futuristic earth i i have to go back and and try I, I tried to watch season two episode one and i felt so absolutely lost that i gave up and this is like when it came out whatever i'm yeah. assuming a year ago so <laughs> I, yeah season one I, I actually really liked and then season two episode one they lost me and i, I kind of never went back so that that might be something as the as tv viewing you know the summer tends to dry up maybe that's one that i revisit yeah, and yeah, and I will say that um, the third uh, third season, the show creators um, Lisa Joy and Jonathan Nolan 
made it specifically clear that this was more of a straight narrative, not all the weird timeline jumping that um, was indicative of the first and second season. So um, much more linear, but obviously there's still a lot of like, it makes you question uh, different things as <laughs> not like when things happen, but like other stuff that causes confusion. So it oh. is one of those that you have to pay a lot of attention and like think about and like even to the point where um, with Westworld, one of the things that they do that I didn't really realize is that when something is a simulation, um, the aspect ratio of the video that's playing is different than when it's real life. So like even to like the technical point of like being anamorphic aspect ratio as opposed to whatever your common widescreen is, mm-hmm. like like as a visual cue that this is a simulation, like they get so in depth with that stuff and it's a little bit much sometimes. That's um that's interesting though, and that's that's kind of cool stuff, you know. I like I can I can appreciate putting that level of care into your into your storytelling. Um, did you have something else? Just one more thing. Penny Dreadful's mm-hmm. new season is coming out like next week. I think uh, next Sunday, so a week from mm-hmm. today. So I'm looking forward to that as well. The Los Angeles one or whatever. Sunday nights are going to be tough for you. It's Dude, usually the seriously? night we record, <laughs> and Westworld, and um and Penny Dreadful. So. Yeah. Uh, Penny Dreadful, interesting that they decided to go like, like anth- almost anthology, right? But after having right. three solid seasons of, so it, it, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that, uh, how that that pans out. I, I will, I will be checking that out. Um, I know, I know that this is going to be unpopular. I kind of fell out of love with Penny Dreadful towards the end, but man, that first season was so so good. Yeah, so good. So. Um, I only really watch. I, mean, I know I said you know I watch those other things, but I only really watch something uh, that that I feel it's worth talking about. This is totally not something that I would watch. So, um, have you have you turned on Netflix in the last forty eight hours? Uh, maybe, probably not. I don't know. All right. So uh, the the thing that comes on, at least my Netflix queue, uh, like you know, like the the like right at the top that yeah. starts like auto playing the trailer. <laughs> Um, is a show called Too Hot to Handle. I've not heard of this at all. Yeah, so uh, here's let me give you the the breakdown. And and I did um, partially sleep through like the first episode, so it took me. It seemed like there was really like a lot of nondescript things happening. Like not anybody was really sure on what the deal is. But basically, they take six um, you know, ultra hot, fit young people. Uh, I'm sorry, twelve, six women and six men. Um, to this uh, this resort. Uh, turns out the resort is in Mexico, but kind of nondescript resort. And they're not given a lot of guidance on on what they're there for, just that they should be wearing basically bikinis like through the whole thing. Like dudes should be shirtless and women should be wearing bikinis, I'm guessing was what the, the um, producers told them. Um, and it's basically a show that's designed to help them create deeper connections with people without sex. So they are banned from any type of sexual contact. So kissing, obviously sex and, and anything like that. And it's watching these 12 people over the course of, I'm guessing two to three weeks. Cause that's another thing. Those types of reality shows never tell you is like the time frame that, that somebody is, is on a show. Um, which sounds like, like hot garbage. Like there's no way you can get me to watch this, but I kind of woke up halfway through or almost at the end of like episode one and it was just kind of on. And next thing you know, like it's episode three and I'm totally into this dumb show. (laughs) So um, too hot to handle on Netflix. If you thought you would hate something like the bachelor, uh, you might be pleasantly surprised by too hot to handle. 
I mean, I have, I have no, I have no response for that. I, I don't, I've never been into those types of shows. Um, and I think that what you're describing about not expecting to like it and then being stuck in it is one of the reasons that I don't try to watch those shows or, you know what I'm yep. saying? Like, yep. Because there's something, it's got to be, it's got to play to some sort of like primitive part of your brain to like want to watch this type of stuff um, yeah. that you're like kind of powerless against. <laughs> Dude, I'm, and I'm telling you, like by the end, because they, they do, they do divulge at some point. I don't know if they brought this up at the beginning that there is a cash prize, but nobody knows like how you win it or how it's distributed. So at some point I'm like, ah, well, they better not give that guy any money. Like I'm really like actively, you know, rooting oh, for God. certain people and rooting against others. And I, I hate myself a little more today than I did yesterday. But I actually I actually kind of had fun watching the show. Dude, wouldn't it be great if toward the end of the season, like people just start getting murdered and you find out it's not a reality show at all. It's just like, you know what I'm saying? It's been a horror yeah. this whole time, but like just so cleverly masked. Um. Yeah, that that would be. Uh, I think you better start writing. Maybe we. Can, maybe that's how we get our Stoker. Is uh is in the the best the screenplay. Script. Yep. Yep. Never thought about that. Yeah. I love it. I can't. So yeah, that's all. Yeah. That's all I have for watching. Like I said, I mean, I, I kind of kept up on all my regular TV shows that I watch, but that was the only new thing that uh, that essentially I had to bring to the table. I will say, just dipping back into what we do in the shadows. Um, it's it's a it's a stressful time right now. And there's so much sadness and uncertainty that like just to have something to laugh at. And I've watched, I'm not even lying. I've watched the two episodes that have aired. I've watched them each three times because it's just such a, you know, a departure from reality where you can just have fun and laugh at the absurdity of it. So, um, you know, do that. Or if someone has something else to recommend that, that takes them away from the nonsense that's happening right now. Um, let us know because I'm I'm trying to like balance my viewing between like drama stuff and stuff that just like takes my mind away from the the awfulness of the world. There you go. So Rob's going to be uh, breezing through eight episodes of Too Hot to Handle. It sounds like. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think I think that's going to be a, a wrap for us tonight. Yeah, so um, next episode that you're going to get is going to be another book review. Um, this one is going to be The Bank by Bentley Little, uh, which I got started on. I got jumpstart. Man, this whole like thing, I am the opposite. I'm like uh, Bizarro Rob. Like I start books <laughs> like super early instead of yep. at the last minute. Um, so I, I should have started the episode with Keep Reading. Um, yeah, I got to start on it, and it's... Um, it's there's something about the storytelling that just makes it comfortable right away. So I feel like it's going to be a good one to talk about. I am looking forward to it. Uh, I don't believe I've read any Bentley little, so uh, I believe this is my first foray and uh, we'll, you'll get to hear all about it next week. All right. That's going to wrap it up for this one till next time. I'm Rob Olson and I'm Livia Snedden. Keep reading. <laughs>